everyone. Welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and bring a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful and sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. Today is extra vulnerable as we're exploring the intimate and carnal spaces of our sensuality, sexual being, and how that translates to dating and relationships. I, for one, am embarrassingly unversed and awkward, just so painfully awkward, but it's important to remove the taboo around these topics. Not only are they beautiful, healthy, and natural, they also reveal our ability or inability to rest in our skin, our resistance and acceptance of love and connection, and where we are on the road to healing and freedom. Conveniently, we have with us a renowned sexologist, intimacy expert, and author. She's practical, factual, and honest about the sometimes dreadful information about falling in love and being sexual in today's easy access culture. Cher Boudreaux. I know why you wanted me to listen to that intro. Because it was fucking fire. You were like, listen to my penmanship right quick. Let me just spit some game on you. I've thoroughly seduced. Is it working? Is it working? Oh, God. We're off to a great start. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blushing and it's three seconds in. (laughs) I have to say, as I was looking up just information on sex therapists and because this isn't necessarily a, a field of study that I've like actually delved into on like a scientific or academic level, but I am so grateful for your content. It exists in such an important space and the way you relate to people is like uh, so special. So that's just complexity. It truly is. (laughs) I guess to start, tell me a bit about what interested you in this career path. Was it intentional? Yeah. What's fascinating about what even you just said about not ever thinking about sort of the the science behind or the why behind our sexuality is for me, it was just always a question. Mm -hmm. I think when we think about our purpose often, we think about moving towards it. Mm. I got to find my purpose. And oftentimes it's about going back to what you originally knew. Mm. I was always really sexually precocious. Mm. I mean, like age five, I remember my first consensual positive sexual experience with a pillow it was fabulous for me. My Barbies were always naked when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I was really fascinated by touch. And as I got older, of course, that was repressed and that right. was discouraged. Mm-hmm. And so my foray into sexuality wasn't what I wanted it to be for someone who thought so passionately about it. Mm-hmm. Because and positively. I, exactly. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't encouraged to find healthy outlets of information. And at 18 years old, I was like, okay. I'd had the world's shittiest sex life. Mm. Um, I had made all the mistakes. I had copied every single porn I had watched because that was the only viable sex education I could probably find for myself as a young girl growing up in a Catholic household. Wow. And then I was like, okay, there has to be something else out there. And that's when I got a library card and started reading and doing the background research. Mm. And that's when I made a connection like, okay, there's good information, but it's boring. Mm -hmm. How can I bridge the gap between the two? Wow. And you obviously are talking about so many of these things in your new book, The Game of Yes. Uh, look at that mom face you have right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> well, I myself want to potentially write a book, a compilation of, you know, different things that I've seen and learned. We're all ready for your book, Allison. Well, no, but I'm, I'm just always enamored and, and so impressed and proud of someone who's getting a project to the finish line and something that's so valuable for people. Um, let me just talk about this this book for a second. It, it's going to cover seduction, dating, building connections, intimacy, self-love, desire, flirting, sensuality. Um, now, I have to be totally honest. I feel like a complete prude. Before we go any further, I, I feel as though this is a confessional for me. 
where I let people know just how <laughs> awkward I am in this area. So for much of my youth, I thought I was asexual because mm-hmm. we had the exact opposite experience. No sex drive, or if I did, it was funneled into, I think, work. I channeled that what into. What does that mean? Well, I think that same kind of passion and drive and mm. um, that someone might feel to engage in, you know, sexual behavior, I was like that adamant about my work. <laughs> I want to get to the finish line of this project. Also, with my religious background, I was with my first boyfriend for a year. We did not have sex, which for a lot of people is like, oh, how'd you How do that? How old were you that? at the time? You... I was 19. Your first boyfriend was 19. Yes. I So I made the choice to not date until I was at least 18, only to then kind of backtrack and go, wait, 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 wait. This socialization was so important. Why did I skip over it? And so I feel kind of like inexperienced in so many ways. Um, I also had eating disorder and other abuse in, in my household that made me just kind of a foreigner in my own body. So um, so I know that when I'm reading your book, I'm going to be like, wow, what is it like to have this kind of freedom? Um, and I know that it's going to be so helpful. I don't think you will. O- only because my book, it really is. It's, it's not, I recognize the fact that I'm unique. I think in life we have to recognize sometimes when we're not the relatable perspective. Hmm. Not everybody wakes up and is like, babe, like what dildo do you want to use today? Like that's right. not everyone's reality. Right. So the reason why my book is me working with five women is to show five different perspectives. Mm. I think prude is a valid sexuality. It's a valid <laughs> sexual standpoint yeah, and valid. a really healthy one and a really mm. positive one and one that affirms a lot of people's values and makes them feel happy. Mm. I think when I think about sexuality, we're at a space and time where we don't need reproduction. You know what I mean? Like we don't need any more humans. We're okay for a while. So we don't need you to have sex. The only reason you should be engaging with your sexual self is because mm. it brings you joy. It brings you closer to yourself and closer to your purpose mm. and allows you to help other people also accomplish the same people you care and love about yeah. or want to just fuck with for the night, whatever your, your pleasure is. So for that reason, if you decide I'm not really it doesn't really aid my life. It doesn't make me feel more full, more vibrant, more me. Mm. I think this is an area of my life I'm kind of cool putting off to the side. Yeah, That's valid and that's yeah. wonderful. And that is a sexual expression and, and a really healthy sexual choice. Mm. And so I don't look at prude people like, step it up, honey. Right. Like, nah. Well, it's hard when what's represented in media is this kind of hyper-sexualized self. And, and of course, my friends who are very, you know, pro-body, my body, my this, my this, my this. And I'm like, I absolutely agree with you. And still, I find it hard to even wear something that's like slightly revealing out. And yet we're in lace today. I know for you, and it's leather. special. <laughs> we're in this nice dominatrix outfit. It's actually just for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to challenge myself here. But that's my process. I have to challenge myself. Yes. It's not like, oh, I'm feeling fly. Like, I got to put this on. I just hate, I hate physical attention. I hate sexual attention. I should say, have grown up feeling that way. It's it's changing now, thankfully. Um, What's fascinating about that is you could have gone the opposite way where you were super sexualized, especially as right. a dancer. Yeah. And so I would probably think that your listeners love that about you. Because hmm. there's a lot of people who can relate to your perspective, but don't hmm. find it. So I'm really into it. Wow. So affirming. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of kind of culture and, and the dominant beliefs in our culture, what are they regarding sex and how does it vary in other cultures? Because I know there are benefits to cultures who are completely affirming of this sexual expression and then that repression is also super unhealthy in, in other ways. Yeah, we live in an extreme dichotomized society, I think mm. in North America, wherein that to your point, sex is so pushed in your face in mm. the media 
Um, and of course, porn is so accessible. And yet we have one of the worst sex education systems out there. Mm -hmm. And we have a culture of not talking to our parents, not talking to our elders about sexuality. Mm -hmm. Like that's a consistent, it's the longest, sex education is the longest running bad joke, right? right. It's just, however, we continue to up the stakes in our visual, visual depiction of it. And so people are put in this bizarre position of like trying to drastically under-sexualize themselves when it comes to their family, their personal life, like mm -hmm. their foundation, yeah. and extremely over-sexualize themselves when it comes to like their peer-to-peer -peer mm. interactions. And it confuses people about what their middle ground is. And that's why I applaud someone like yourself who has put a stake in the ground and said, this is where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And this is where I feel comfortable. Because that's really difficult to do in a world that's feeding you so many extremes. One of the coolest things we did when I was in school is we studied the correlation between porn and a society's attitude towards sex. In America, for example, our pornography is so exaggerated. It's massive boobs. It's the biggest dicks you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It's like come that's like bucket loads of it mm -hmm. it's just so far from our own actual experience because yeah. we are still uncomfortable with ourselves as sexual beings and so when we watch sex happen it has to be people that don't remind us of ourselves mm. whereas in somewhere like thailand for example where the sexual attitudes are really peaceful it's accepted as a normal part of life a normal part of healthy development their porn just looks like everyday people looks mm. like the average person just doing it on a tuesday night you know so wow. That I think is interesting from a standpoint of the extremes that we exist in and our yeah. lack of comfort in still seeing ourselves yeah. as valid sexual individuals. Wow, you got me thinking a lot over here. Are you a porn consumer? What's been your relationship with that? It's been complete nothingness. And, and I think my only experience with porn was when a few ads popped up on like back in MySpace days and one was an accidental push and then after i clicked on it once i was like oh wait this is really interesting and it's hard for me to look at because it's so graphic and obscene and i have all these judgments about it and yet i'm so curious and i'm even experiencing like being aroused by it and what mm -hmm. do i do with it but i very quickly suppressed that You're like nope no thanks <laughs> yeah and and <laughs> Too i long don't read yeah totally and and there was just so much shame for me um, around it because I was very much like you know, integrity has been a huge pillar for me and if I felt like I was trying to uphold certain principles in you know my church congregation and then it wasn't perfectly matching with my private life it was like you know you're you're accountable before God until I realized wow sexuality is absolutely a natural beautiful God-given yes. thing you know um so and obviously I've had a quite a, a lengthy journey in that regard to spirituality because now i have a billion sexuality. questions i'm like what do you identify as now oh You're god like, listen another episode yeah no this Stay is tuned. for you <laughs> and you we i did an episode of hello lovers and friends and so yes. you have to make sure to tune in we talk about how childhood affects relationships yes right. but mm. do you think that your prudishness is related to your childhood in terms oh, of absolutely. like do you think if you had a different career path you'd be in a different space yeah i mean look at how um you see uh, Disney is, if it's family entertainment, we have standards and practices on set yes. all day long, right? T telling us what we can wear, what we can say, think, we're not able to cuss. I don't think we are we can say God on Disney Channel. Like it's just completely PC, don't ruin anything. Um, and with that, as we start to develop sexually, we're still playing younger characters mm -hmm. and having to represent that image that's you know prepubescent worldview. I would say I was a, I was a perfectionist. I was a goody two shoes. I never wanted to upset the mouse, my boss. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but the danger of that was I was so willing to then suppress my own growth. Mm -hmm. um, 
whereas a lot of my peers wanted to act out in retaliation and they did and I often looked at them with admiration um not contempt whereas the world scorned them for being you know inappropriate or trying to do stuff for shock value I was like actually there are a few steps ahead of me because I'm too afraid to let you know that these are natural things occurring in my body as well mm-hmm. I just you know I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my job and it's weird your livelihood is predicated on that uh, evergreen youth yes <laughs> so um so yeah I do think it all ties together for me but again this is not about me this is about you when did you feel like you broke free from that was there a space that you did that you were mm. like okay Disney Allison is no more. <laughs> no, I, I because I wanted to be able to to keep as much of my community with me, I was not ever interested in doing something out of angst or whatever. It was very much like let's be mindful and let's walk through this patiently and step by step so that I don't have to just like forsake the audience I grew up with to I find a new that. one. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and also as you mentioned, like we all have different journeys, so if I was trying to be the way Miley and Demi were, they were far more uh, experienced and, and comfortable in their skin sexually. Um, I would be a total fraud. It's just that just wasn't who who I was comfortable being. So, um, yeah, I kind of had to stick to my my guns there. So you're in authentic expression, which is really, really cool. That's mm-hmm. that's the goal. I always say that. Well, good. Perfect. Hashtag goals, Allison Stoner. Done. Now we know what we have to do with our sex lives. Just be authentic, everyone. So sexuality and discovering who you're attracted to and what turns you on is a beast in itself. Do you have a tip for the beginners who might be at the precipice of this, as well as a tip for the experts who are maybe like kind of plateauing and they're like, ugh, I kind of want to see what else is out there. You're talking about in terms of sexual orientation? Um, not specifically orientation, I guess, as much as um, being a sexual being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a big part of it is like you've got to get to the real base of knowing yourself and then mm-hmm. developing the language to explain that self to others. Which will involve orientation. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are cisgendered, monogamous, um, Christian-based, mm-hmm. you don't have to do a lot of the work because the media does that for you. School mm-hmm. does that for you. They give you the basic tools to define what it is you're looking for, what honors you and makes you feel happy and healthy mm-hmm. and loved and ultimately puts you in a position to love others with the same yeah. um, things in mind. For everybody else, there's a lot of figuring it out on your own. Yeah. And so one of the things that I did with the book, for example, is I put together a self-summary workbook. Cool. And essentially, it takes two hours to do. Love it. Tons of fun. Um, but... I took your other quiz already. Okay, good. Yes, I live for quizzes because <laughs> I, I think it's just so important to come out of that. The, the Kinsey scale is a really great way mm-hmm. for sexual orientation. Right. It does neglect um, agender, bigender, and transgender. So it, there's other ones like the gender unicorn if you don't feel like man woman in terms of attraction are really words that truly define the scope mm-hmm. of your sexual desires but the kinsey scale is a great way to assess like mm-hmm. hey it's not about it being heterosexual or homosexual which those two terms itself may not feel comfortable for you right there's like there's gray areas in between there's a scale i mean and there is right. there's a spectrum to be acknowledged and mm-hmm. so when you can figure that out and say hey like i'm a two on the kinsey scale but i'm actually a four in fantasy mm-hmm. meaning like I'm not necessarily um, pansexual at this point. I yeah. mostly do uh, opposite sex, but I do have frequent relationships and I've had had relationships with same sex that I've loved. Mm. But I think in the future, I'm working towards a space where majority of my interactions are same sex. Mm. Like that's a clear way of describing it to someone who can say, oh, 
you know, if I want to be in intimate interaction with you, I know you a bit more. Right. Where's the compatibility? Exactly. Yeah. Where's the compatibility? But you have to know yourself to identify where the compatibility is to work with self. Right. So the first step, I think, for people is like with school, for example, we spent 18 years trying everything in low risk environments with the help of guidance. Mm. And of course, with little reproduction repercussions if we get it wrong, mm-hmm. other than like an F on a test. Right. Um, and then you through those 18 years, you're like, okay, here's what feels good for me. Here's what doesn't. Here's where I excel. Here's where I notice I have to work on myself. Mm. But when it comes to sex, love, and relationships, we don't do any of that. Right. We just say, go trial by error, figure it out. Right. And when people keep crashing and burning and not finding themselves feeling celebrated in their connections, we don't have tools for them to step back and say, okay, well, let's assess where you actually should be positioning yourself. Right. It's like it, being a doctor on day one. Right, right. And that reminds me of dating because um, for, for me, as someone who doesn't drink or smoke. Me or, neither. Oh, really? Yes. Hey. I'm too far away. I can't <laughs> high five you. Given that most dating occurs in like, well, meet me at the bar, meet me at, a, you know, a club, a setting where it's social and, and I'm an introvert. I'm thinking the, the odds are stacked against me in this dating world. How can someone identify by, by figuring out who they are? Um, how can they find the best environment to then meet other people who might be more compatible than just like the average hotspot? to go on a date there is a quiz there's always a <laughs> quiz um it just essentially like uh how you communicate with others like the mm. vka quiz mm. whether you're visual uh, kinesthetic or you're like more about like audio and action and mm. so for example you might be um more listening more audio so for you it's like a coffee shop might mm. be really great and or going to like a, a hike where it's yeah. an opportunity just to talk so yeah. you set the environment based on how you know you best connect with others some people, it's through an activity. There has to be very little conversation involved. Right. But if they went like axe throwing, which I just learned is like this new thing people are doing. If they <laughs> I've went, seen it. Yes. But I've also seen the axe come back at someone oh, no, and they had to course. duck. Those are people who on a date, they should be doing something. Yeah. Like they bond with people best through an activity. It doesn't have to necessarily be a lot of words exchanged. Right. And some people, it's more just like the environment, like the visual stimuli. So maybe a museum is best for them. Mm. Um, maybe again, it's something like watching a movie yeah. that really helps them to bond with somebody. So it's knowing yeah. yourself. And then my big thing with people is that when it comes to career, for example, mm-hmm. you learn a bunch about yourself and you position yourself in a space where you can be successful. Mm. If I took you as awesome as you are and made you an accountant, <laughs> right? <laughs> if there's no script, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the script for this math yeah, thing? Right? This math thing. How does this tax reform end? Where's the ending? I need to know what the plot twist is. Uh, what's my character arc? Right. <laughs> Jail. And my super objective. Prison for... Um, <laughs> You're not paying away my taxes. But the um, if I put you in that, you mm-hmm. wouldn't thrive and be your absolute best self. I think when it comes to dating, we often do that to ourselves. We yeah. put ourselves in position where yeah. it's not possible for us right. to be our best selves. But that become, that's a part of not knowing who we are. Right. Like truly knowing who we are and placing ourselves in environments where we yeah. can thrive. Yeah. I know for me personally, I actually hate all of the rules that go into dating. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care if you opened my door or I opened yours. I don't care who's paying. And I feel like some of those get those standards get in the way of actually authentically experiencing someone. If anyone's trying to date me, just know I'm not judging you based off of that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather know where your mind is at on on things that matter. Putting that out there, you know, you got to let people know. You got to let you got to put it out there. You, <laughs> you got to let them know. So let's let's move on. As I mentioned earlier, I, I find it hard to experience a lot of attention, especially if it's sexual. 
And I'm wondering, how do you get to a place where you're standing in, in that confidence and power where you can invite that attention and not feel like you're um, giving into objectification or um, you're nervous that uh, you're not being true to who you are, uh, you're just doing it for attention, all of the, the names that come with that, name calling, especially for women, I feel, um, when they're proud of who they are and they show it. How do we reach that place of confidence? How do you feel right now today in this outfit? That's a slight departure for you. Mm, I feel slightly uncomfortable, but what's helping me actually feel more comfortable is slouching, which oh. is like... <laughs> it's the, giving me couture. It, well, nah. It's actually, <laughs> to me, it's protecting mm-hmm. myself. It's 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 regrounding me in who I would rather be because I like... I, I lean in with my head, right? When I walk into a room, my head goes first because I want you to pay attention to my mind. Mm. So if I were presenting my body openly, that's where I'd be like, ooh, too vulnerable. That did look lovely, though. The, it's the this, dancer in you, yes. That like, Yeah, that posture oh, is gorgeous. Oh, God, I know, but ooh, there, here's the attention. <laughs> so teach me. How, what can I do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit like this <clears throat> while you talk. I think that it, healthy intimacy happens when you take one tiny step Check in with yourself, check in with your partner, see how you feel, look backwards. Do you want to go back, look sideways? Do you want to go a little to the left? And then when you're mm-hmm. ready, take a small step forward. Okay. And so that's how you get to that space. You wear this outfit, which is a small departure for you. And also acknowledge the fact it's going to feel kind of weird. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a sport, if you're dancing and you try a brand new move, the first time you try it, it's going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. So you can't expect to do something different and feel completely 100% you. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe there's any uh, true concept of you. You is whoever I consistently decide to be. Mm. And it's a consistent choice that I have to make. And so I'm constantly evolving my concept of you. Mm-hmm. But by making those small, tiny pushes to yeah. what my comfort zone is. Um, and sometimes that means going backwards. If you're mm-hmm. like, I wore this outfit this day. I didn't feel good in it. I'm going to put it back in the closet. Maybe next week you feel like wearing it again. You're going to see how you feel in that environment. Yeah. So I would say just keep pushing yourself a little small bit. Yeah. Check in with yourself. See how you feel. Yeah. Play around with that new bit. Again, kind of like a new dance move and then see if you can incorporate it into your flow. Kind of brings a playfulness into it. Because you can try it on and too. then take it off. Exactly. <laughs> Set yourself up for success. If yeah. you're trying to be sexy, don't pop up in here with like a bustier and like mm. thigh high boots, like an extreme departure from self. That, because those are in my car in case you're going to traumatize yourself. Extra confident. And you're going to be like, sexy does not suit me. Whenever right, I meet right. somebody who's like, I hate flirting. I don't know how to flirt. Yeah. Because when they tried to flirt, they were like, oh, God, oh. how are you? So good to see. Like, they just did this extreme character switch that was so out of pocket for them. And they traumatized right. themselves because yeah. they went too far too fast. Yeah. So meet yourself where you are. Go slow. Be patient. Right. And remember, you can always go back. You mentioned flirting. Let's talk. Why the mm, does it exist? Why? I personally, ugh, because I'm one of those people that you just mentioned. Whereas if we're using sense of humor, I'm like, oh, cool. we're good. If that counts as flirting, great. But like, why why do we need to flirt? It almost feels like you're putting on a show and performance. Maybe this is my resistance to it. I felt like my entire life is a performance. Yes. So I would much rather skip that and be like, will you still like me when I'm just myself <laughs> without this extra? How can we kind of find our flirting style that's natural for us? And, and what um what does it say about 
ourselves. I actually brought you a copy of my book and I dog tagged a page for you because I want you to have her on the show. Oh. Ari Fitz. Oh, yes. I love Ari. Well, from afar. Okay, good. I would love for you to have Ari on your show. Ari was an expert in my book. She was our flirting expert. Okay. And she described flirting as communication with intention. And all it is is communication plus sparks, right? Mm. That's it. So it's just exactly what you said. It's talking and there's a little something extra you can tell that's between us. Um, and it's flirting is a joy. I think I like to flirt with people because it brings out the best of them. I like telling Mm. someone they look great. I like complimenting someone's skin. I flirt all day long. Mm. So flirting isn't a matter of me, um, wanting to woo somebody or wanting to gain something from somebody. I want to give someone an experience. I want to give them communication plus sparks. I want to give them that extra something that makes them walk away and be like, there was something about that that was kind of cool. Like we just communicate all day long in a yeah. dry way. So a little bit of mischief, I think, just makes life a bit more fun. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with tiny departures from self. Yeah. And so flirting doesn't have to be. I also love, there's a book that I'm obsessed with called The Art of Seduction. Mm-hmm. And it ranges nine different ways that someone can seduce. I think when people think of flirting and seduction, they think of one particular person. Right. Marilyn Monroe. Mm. Like, hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. And right. it's just like, oh, cringe, shoot me now. Yeah. But in this book, it identifies nine different ways. Mm. And some of those ways are being the ideal lover. And that mm. means seeing somebody for who they really want to be. Right. So if I can see your aspirations Perfect. and speak to that version of you, and yeah. when you're around me, you feel like you're your highest self because yeah. that's who I speak to. Like yeah. that's a form of seduction. It's a form of flirting. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense about my most recent connections. Though. Oh, do tell. No, I'm blushing. No, tell. <laughs> Not for everyone. Just a vague. Hear. Just a vague. So you met somebody who spoke to your highest self or yes. you spoke to theirs? Both. Yeah. That's the best. That's uh, honestly one of the only ways that you can keep my attention mm-hmm. because to me it's like if you're if you're not adding value and or um helping someone evolve in their own consciousness then uh, you know there's there's room for spontaneity there's room for the entire spectrum but i am particularly interested in transcendence and ascension and um because i feel that as you pursue wholeness and you're you're better able to serve other people i love that so i want to talk a little bit about polyamory. Mm-hmm. This is something that I've been very interested in. And I was watching a video with you and your husband defining your relationship and realizing you two particularly don't care for labels, but it helps other people understand where you are with something. What are some of the misconceptions of a polyamorous relationship and how could it actually maybe be worth considering? Um, I think polyamory, I mean, it translates literally into many loves. Mm. And we are polyamorous in majority of our intimate connections. We're polyamorous in family. We love many different family members. People are polyamorous towards their children. Mm-hmm. Like having a second child is not indicative of the fact that your first wasn't good enough. Right. It's the fact that you want to share that much love with that many people. Mm-hmm. We may, we're polyamorous in our careers. We have multifaceted careers, mm-hmm. many different things, and not one doesn't compete with the other. They're just different. Right. And so, Polyamory is a rejection of the scarcity model of love. And that is if I give to you, I can't give to someone else. Mm -hmm. That there's like 100 chips that I have. And if I give 50 to you, then I only have 50 left for somebody else. And if I give 100 to you and I want to love somebody else, I have to take some back from you. Our superpower as human beings is bonding. We are born to bond. We are born to love. Mm. I don't mean that in like some hokey shit way. Like we're all just born to love each other. (laughs) I mean, literally... 
that, you know, we don't swim underwater for long periods of time. We don't run the fastest. We don't climb trees. We don't have the sharpest teeth. But those Our, social constructs, though. Is, but those social constructs, though, <laughs> our ability to connect, communicate, work together, organize, care for one another, mobilize. organize, that is our literal superpower. Mm. And so I think that polyamory is just an expression of that, of like, mm. I am best when I make connections and intimate connections are the highest form of connections that mm. we can make. I mean, aside from children, which I don't have a kid, so I'm not sure what that's like, mm. but. What are some signs or ways that you might be able to recognize polyamory is a, a good option for someone? Well, I have a quiz. Um, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> can we just call this podcast? Well, I have a quiz. Um, <laughs> I put a quiz on my website called the commitment quiz, and it's cool. about identifying your ideal intimate structure presently, mm -hmm. because you might really be in a space right now where modern monogamy, which is one person at a time, mm -hmm. makes sense for you because of your priorities in life. Mm -hmm. Maybe in five years, you open up to polyamory. Maybe you don't. Um, so it's important to also acknowledge, just like sexuality, that our commitment style is also fluid. Yeah. It's nonlinear. Yeah. And so acknowledging where you're at right now, right. a big part of knowing you might be polyamorous is like, do I notice that I constantly crave connection with new people? Mm. Am I really satisfied with one partner, even though like I am married, and my husband is the he's he's a gift like my relationship is my greatest accomplishment to date. Mm. It's such a joy, such an awesome space. But I also know the fact that I got crushes. Yeah. You could ask me who my celebrity crushes. I can answer that question. I got Instagram crushes. Like I like engaging with yeah, different totally. people. I love love. Mm -hmm. I study love for a living. And so it's not a matter of my partner not being enough. It's that I probably could never get enough connections. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just an acknowledgement of who I am. And over time of reading books and having those aha moments where I'm like, yes, me too. Yeah. There's an absence of jealousy and possessiveness. It sounds yes. like. Yeah. And, and you said you're kind of letting go of the model of scarcity and the replacement is then abundance. Yes. Right? I didn't even put that into words, but you just did. Well, you did actually. You set me up. I didn't I just use the word abundance. The I you opened the door. Oh, I thank you. Through. That was a good tag team moment. We're going to air high five again. <laughs> um, you were talking about how you spend your life thinking and working and communicating on love. Yes. Um, do you ever get tired of it? sensuality no, like, uh, never really never i mean and your relationship is so public and you're talking about it all the time like do you ever it just, just dry up you know you know when you talk to like a makeup person where like they do a makeup yeah. youtuber mm. and you're like do you ever get tired of contouring they're like no there's contouring for summer there's contouring for fall there's contouring for kids birthday parties like when you really love something when you're really passionate about yeah. it you can just never get sick of it yeah. and i'm always learning i'm mm. learning from you today you just taught me something new you opened my mm. eyes to a new way of framing the discussion mm. it's such a fascinating topic and it just never gets old i've been devoting my life to it for 13 years and on top of that i've seen every area of my life improve wow with the knowledge i've gained wow. so why would i get tired of it like yeah. it hasn't failed me this thus far yeah and i continue to reap the benefits of devoting my life to it so i think yeah. that putting myself in a position to say that you know i'm an expert makes me force myself accountability to walk the walk yeah i actually love that um as sort of a life philosophy is set the standards by which you want to be upheld so that mm -hmm. it, it leads to your own flourishing um and of course the byproduct of that hopefully is assisting others to do the same. Yes. Um, but that's beautiful because, yeah, I'm even if I don't want my ego checked, especially when I'm, I'm currently trying to <laughs> unpack racism and my role in it. And what you know, a beautiful journey. 
What a very fascinating, well, yeah, a heavy journey, but that's really a really heavy cool. journey that should have that should have happened a long time ago. I cannot believe that I lived on this earth for a quarter century and was not unpacking this sooner. And and of course, as you educate yourself in any area, then your eyes are opened and you start seeing it everywhere, right? Um, but in doing so and allowing people to uh, give me feedback and learn how to take and receive feedback, I'm like, ooh. Like this check and this ego wants to get involved every time and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Of course, that's just me centering my own comfort. But like it's a it's a process to um, to set that standard and then say, I'm actually going to commit to it. Yes. Same with minimalism. Same with, you know, wanting to save the planet and be green and, and all that. I feel like it all kind of is encompassed, right? It is 100%. Yeah. And a lot of people like mean that it's just that they shy away from it or they reject it. Yeah. And so putting yourself in a position for accountability, I think is an incredible catalyst to change. Yeah, there it is. So the final question for today, for now. It's the final <laughs> countdown. Do, 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 do. At the crux of sensuality is uh, intimacy and vulnerability. And from there, we enter a stronger sense of self and deeper connection with others in the world. What is your greatest hope for each person on their journey to self-love and uh, fully embodied sensuality and sexuality? Put the work in, honey, mm. right? Like if you want to excel at anything, if you want to feel comfortable, if you want to feel challenged in a healthy way, mm. you have to put the work in. You have to enlist the help of experts. You have to enlist the help of trusted allies, people who are walking this with you. Surround yourself with individuals of like minds. Like mm. it's not serendipitous. I think mm. people think about like sensuality or flirting or confidence um, or even sexual expression as yeah. serendipitous. Like it's just supposed to happen, right? right? Like just like great sex just happens, mm. right? Like when, when the chemistry is right, right, null and void of the fact that people have no idea about their bodies, how they work, their own anatomy, um, yeah. their their right to consent, the language of consent, birth control options, like we just figure it out when we you know when we're all hot and bothered. No, like you have to put the work in. You mm -hmm. have to slow down sometimes and look at it all as like a beautiful. To your point, like when you get vulnerable, that's your opportunity to get to know yourself more. Mm. But it doesn't stop there because once you learn that thing about yourself, maybe you got to go back and do some research now. Yeah. Okay. I've discovered that when X and Y happens, I turn into Z. Mm -hmm. All right. What does Z mean? And it, am I comfortable with Z? Yeah. So I would just say be be conscious, be mindful. Don't just allow it to happen to you. Yeah. I think we fall in love, right? Like we fall into passion. You don't mm. have to. You can walk mindfully and consciously. And I think you go, you'll enjoy the journey so much more when you do that. Mm, don't just let love happen, happen to love. Mm. You know, can we do something about this? Like, can we start a coffee table book? I mean, really? Yes. I mean, I'm in, I'm exploring all options currently. Okay. <laughs> so, so give me some, some ideas because I'll take it and run at this point. I've really cleared my plate actually to allow new dreams to take shape. Uh, that's porn to me. Oh, good. That's porn. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Shan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Allison. This was so much fun. Whew, that was a roller coaster. I would love to know what parts you found most helpful and what new questions you might have. I know that our beliefs and cultures and religious affiliations can dramatically affect our view of sensuality. So feel free to comment something you found 
interesting or want to explore further, as always, I encourage curiosity and contemplation, not judgment, not jumping to conclusions. The gray area, the tension between is where the good stuff happens, apparently sexually too. So go ahead and lean into it. Today's mantras are going to be on repeat for me this week. I'll say them twice. You can follow in the space for the third. Number one, I am whoever I consistently choose to be. I am whoever I consistently choose to be. Number two, I am born to bond. I am born to bond. Number three, I welcome the opportunity for abundant love and connection. I welcome the opportunity for abundant love and connection. Thank you so much for listening to Simplexity. I'm so glad to be having these conversations with you all. It would mean so much if you could take a second to rate and review this podcast. And if you haven't already, click subscribe to be first to hear each week's episode. I'm Allison Stoner, signing off on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.